0: Alright guys, so today we're going to be in Revelation chapter 11. Again, this is going to be our last lesson before we go into our Christmas messages the next few weeks. Uh, So we'll take a break from Revelation. We'll do some Advent lessons, um, some more seasonal things. This will be our last message uh, for 2023, so it should be a good one. So Revelation chapter 11 is when you start getting to that point in Revelation where you see... it talks about things that happened kind of throughout the tribulation period. And so you kind of have to connect the dots in your mind a little bit on when exactly this is taking place and who all is involving. Um, but it's, it's very fascinating though. Revelation chapter 11 talks about the two witnesses. These are probably the most interesting characters in all of Revelation because the two witnesses played a vital role all throughout the tribulation period up until the very end, basically. And, um, you're going to see they're pretty crazy like as far as like what their task is and what they, what they can do with the powers that God gives them. It's pretty crazy. It's also pretty amazing as well. So let's we'll dive in here in Revelation chapter 11, and we'll kind of break it down piece by piece here, okay? So in Revelation chapter 11, I got the right one here. Uh, it says in verse 1, And this is John that's talking as he's he's still having this vision. He says, Then I was given a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. But do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out, for it is given over to the nations, and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. Okay, so the first part here is talking about the temple that's going to be rebuilt. Now, if you guys ever heard about like end time prophecy and things like that, yeah. it talks about the temple being rebuilt in Jerusalem. OK, this is a very key kind of part here in our of end time prophecy. So here in Revelation is where you get some of that because obviously the temple has been rebuilt at this point because uh, God is instructing John to go and measure the temple. Uh, I'll explain why here in a second, what that represents. Um, but then he also says to leave the court outside the temple unmeasured because that's going to be given over to the nations and they're going to trample it. So there's a lot of debate about what that means. Um, as you know, Israel and Palestine are constantly at war. Um, right now, there's a, there's a lot of religious war over there. It's been that way for centuries. Um, and it will continue between Muslims and Christians. And so this very likely could be a, a God saying that the temple in Jerusalem will be for his people. Uh, he's going to rebuild it. He's going to secure it. He's going to protect it. But then the outside of the temple, the courts and things like that, will be ran by another religious group, maybe the Muslims, maybe somebody else that also resides in that area here at this time. Um, now, what's interesting is the rebuilding of the temple, a lot of people thought this would never happen, basically. Well, Israel became a, a nation, once again, um, this was several several years ago, now this has happened. And there's actually a lot of several groups, probably at least three main groups now, um, over in Israel and Jerusalem area, they are actually talking about rebuilding the temple. They have outlines, they have plans, um, and so whether those groups will accomplish it, or whether it be groups hundreds of years from now, it does say eventually some group will rebuild the temple. What's interesting to have about that is, in society today is we can we can see groups that are already trying this. So we know what's going to happen. Who exactly does it, we'll see. Because obviously, like I said, Israel and Palestine, those countries are pretty much always at war with each other. Well,
1: and why will we build it if
0: that brings us closer to the end times? Um, Well, I mean, a lot of people believe in they want to fulfill the prophecy. But again, all, the important part to know about Revelation here is that it says only God knows exactly when the end times will begin. Um, and so, again, if you can try to build a temple, but it's not time yet, there'll be something that gets in the way, a war, a conflict, well, they, they won't allow it.
1: it. So, well, here's another important part.
0: The temple from my knowledge here, and reading this, um, it has to be built on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. So they have to build it on this particular point in Jerusalem. But that point in Jerusalem is very highly fall over between the Muslims and the Christians and No, uh,
1: that's uh,
0: Yeah, that's, nobody gets to share.
1: <laughs> share? Um, really?
0: uh, so, and listen real quick though, okay? Let yeah. hey, we get to uh, this is this is, this is uh, explain a little bit more here. So, I thought it was very odd when I was initially reading Revelation 11 on why God wants John to measure the temple. It's like, what's the point of that? Because um, I mean, wouldn't God know the measurements? Well, so God, so God, God would know the measurements. So I did some research uh, to figure out why this was. So the reason God instructed John to measure it was in the Old Testament. The idea of measuring something meant that you owned it. It basically showed that you you had property over this, and you were going to protect it. And the part that you measured out was going to be basically um, uh, preserved. Yeah. So he gave somebody. Um, well, God's telling John to do this. It's like a representation of basically showing the world that this is what he owns. And he's going to preserve and protect the temple through this tribulation period. It's kind of a neat thing. Now, if John actually measured it or not, I don't know. Because, again, John's having a vision of him doing this. It could just be a, a figurative thing that, that God is showing us here in Revelation, showing us that he owns the temple. Because, again, people back then that would have read this would have understood that the measurement of something would have meant that you owned it, you possessed it, and you were going to preserve it. So and it that
1: makes sense.
0: He probably used some kind of official measurement, but who knows exactly what. So, uh, what? Yeah, I mean, like, God was telling him to measure it, so it would still be God's temple, but um,
1: if, um, like for like, a physical owner that
0: people can Oh, I don't know. That's interesting. That's a good that's a good thought though. Like, it's possible. Why, like if like no one
1: owed it. Yeah, like, if people didn't like if no one believed in Christianity,
0: they would like claim it as theirs. Yeah, if that's you, like, true. No, yeah. there's no one who actually has proof of owning it. Yeah, that is true. Well that's no, so that's a good point. because that's your So the next point is that um because why is pretty valid here is people aren't Christians, then wouldn't they try to destroy the temple? You know, wouldn't they try to just tear it down? Um, and, or, or own it? or yeah, say it's theirs. Yeah, it was really nice. And so, it, you get to that, you, it, God explains that here in the last part of chapter 11. So let me read this off to you guys here. It says, now here it is there already. This, is, this word gets pretty crazy here. It starts in verse 3. It says, "...and I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth." Now here's, I'm ready to catch this, okay? So say these two witnesses are outside the temple, okay? There's two people, we're not sure who they are, but they're outside the temple. And if you try to hurt the temple or claim it as yours or, you know, harm the witnesses... Um, they can inflict harm upon you. So listen to what happens here. No so, number five, verse 5. And if anyone would harm them, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed to be killed. And they have power to shut the sky that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire.
1: Well, it's very
0: um, so so the, two, the two witnesses, again, are probably the most interesting characters in Revelation, uh, as far as like outside of God and Jesus. So the two witnesses here, again we don't know who they are, it doesn't say in the Bible, people speculate, there's a lot of debate about that, but ultimately we don't really know. But what's important to know here is it refers to them like this. It says these are two olive trees And the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the Earth. Now, if you read that today's time, (laughs) you're like, "What does that mean?" Um, So, if you go back and do some history, back then, um, olive trees—the olive oil would light the lampstands. Okay, they used that to light lampstands. And so, this this analogy here is saying that the Holy Spirit is like the olive tree, uh, and and that He is going to constantly be filling them with himself, and so they're always going to be shedding the light of Christ throughout the whole tribulation, period. Um, And so it's like a fire that can't go out until God allows it to go out. So these witnesses will be prophesying, they'll be telling people that this is all because of Jesus, he's coming back, you know, that kind of thing, and obviously as we read through Revelation already, we know many people are going to ignore this, and they're not going to believe this. Well, they're going to do this for a long, long time. Again, it it's over a thousand days they do this. Now, the reason they're, they're dressed in sackcloth is important. Um, back then, when people dressed in sackcloth, it was basically a form of repentance. And so, as they're prophesying and preaching, they're preaching repentance. And if you guys catch again, all throughout Revelation, there's key themes that are taught all throughout. One of them is God is in charge of all. God is in charge of all, and his will is going to be done. That's shown here in the first part of the the temple. He's still showing he's in charge, he's in power. The second big thing that's shown in Revelation is repentance. And we kept talking about that, like, you know, all about the trumpet judgments. What is God calling people to? He's calling them to repent. He's saying repent. If you don't repent, it's going to get worse. So as these witnesses are also out there prophesying the whole time, they're wearing sackcloth representing repentance. Like, people need to repent. If you don't want this bad stuff to happen to you, or if you don't want this to be your life forever in eternity, repent. So again, there's the, all throughout Revelation, the messages kind of soaked into everything. And that's one of them here. Um, now, I also want to go over something here. Is they have special protection from the war, Because obviously nobody harms them, or they get burned alive which would be pretty crazy to see um, and so they do this for a long time now I want you guys to think about something um, for a time so God's protection hand is over them for the days that's numbered here now during those days now here's what's crazy though if you weren't a Christian say you didn't believe in God you weren't following God you didn't repent then uh, remember the instruction that was given to the witnesses they could inflict plagues upon the earth as much as they wanted to so they could just like, batoon, 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 you know, if Wyatt doesn't want to repent, they can just bang, 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 you know. And so if you're not a Christian during this time um, and you don't repent, you probably don't like these guys very much. You're probably not their biggest fan. You're going to see that here in a second. Yeah. Weird
1: question. Are these witnesses good people or bad people?
0: They're good people, so like, so they're prophesying, and like, if you're honoring and worshiping God, nothing bad, it's kind of, from them happens to you, basically. So, like, what would the verses be?
1: You just go to have Billy Joe because he doesn't want to be a Christian, and you go, your
0: family's going to bleed out. No, so, like, the plagues of the earth, like, if you look through the Bible, one of them was like, water to blood, stuff like that, like, you uh, know, taking uh, away livestock, or... Faucets are um, be
1: bloody.
0: But the thing is, it wasn't necessarily the witness was just going to do that if you weren't a Christian. It was more so if you were going to Try to inflict harm upon them or harm upon God's people. So the um, like, I'm going to kill you. And you're like,
1: nah, blood in your house is
0: blood. Is but, the water your house But listen, they also, it's also interesting though, what is, is interesting? If, if God gives them authority to basically discern when they issue plagues and how often. So we don't know, and you know from reading the Bible, how often they're going to issue these plagues, if they do it at all. They just have, they just, we just know they have the authority to do so. So again, I don't think it would be because somebody's just not a Christian and they just issue a plague. I think it would be more so, like it talks about the fire consuming them, if they harm them. I think it would be more so if someone's trying to harm Christians or harm the witnesses, they would have the authority, and if they wanted to, they could inflict a a plague to try to force that person into repentance uh, and to show them that God is ultimately in charge. Um, So it's really fascinating. Here's the thing I want to get to, though. So after this time period, And after they prophesied and basically told all that God wanted them to tell, and the end times are drawing near, okay, it's about to be the end, God allows them to be killed. Now, watch watch what happens in this passage, okay? I want you to pay attention closely here. It starts in verse six. I'm sorry, verse seven. And when they have finished their testimony, the beast, remember the beast we talked about, which is. You know of Satan here the beast that rises from the bottomless pit which was referred to earlier will make war on them he's going to conquer them and kill them and their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city this symbolically is called sodom and egypt where the lord was crucified for three and a half days some from the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb now, catch this part here, and those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents, because these two prophets have been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. Wait, so so the now Christians
1: listen.
0: Are going to be um, so listen, here. these two guys are going to be killed by the beast. Now here's, it ends differently. I'll show you in a second. So the beast comes up from the bottomless pit, which we read earlier, and guess what? I see to kind of connect the dots now in Revelation. It's kind of going back and forth. So the the beast that comes up in the earth is going to kill these witnesses. So people that are of the, the world that don't follow God, that are following whatever worldly governments out there, are going to rejoice and be like, "Ha ha! We beat you! You know our guy is better than your guy!" And all of a sudden, all these plagues stop. You know they're not killing people with fire anymore. And so the people think that, "Hey, we've conquered them. We're better. Look at that! You caused all this pain upon us." Overall, we won. So God lets them believe that for three and a half days, and they lay dead in the street because nobody wants to touch them. And there's, I mean, you got to think about it. If people do this for years. You'd be a little afraid to touch them too, and not know what to do. Um, so then God does something pretty crazy here. Now I want you guys to catch this. Do it. Now it starts. <laughs> it starts in verse eleven, but after the three and a half days. A breath of life from God entered them, and they stood up on their feet. Ew, and like and, and in great fear, <laughs> makes sense. Fell upon the people <laughs> like over. Oh, <free." laughs> and then <laughs> look, listen to this.
1: <laughs>
0: then they heard a loud voice come from heaven saying to them, "Come up here." Which I don't know if it's exactly like that because this is translated from the Hebrew. So <laughs> is the word "rash" to come up here? debatable, but something like that, they hear, and they, it, like it sounds word? like that from what I'm reading here, so I'm sure other people can hear this too, and it says, and they went up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies watched them, so I want you guys to uh, hear on this yeah. thing about, so they pretty much
1: just like, came
0: back to the life, yeah, so, huh. oh, I'll saying, huh. so, that's
1: so, zombie- so listen, yes,
0: yeah, so these two guys,
1: these two guys,
0: they're prophesying, you know, for, a, I think it's 1,260, is that right? get that right? Yeah, 1,260 days. So 1,260 days, they prophesy, okay? That's like three years or something. Yeah, then, then they die. From the beast. That's sad. I wish you gave the
1: normal the one like that for And they yeah. stayed
0: dead for three and a half days. That's okay. Crazy. okay? And then then after all that they rise up and they get taken to heaven in a cloud. It's like they're falling a Jesus right now. And and so this is a, a, again very symbolic. Because it shows, one, that God's people and his protection over them can't be harmed. When God removes his protection from them and allows the beast to kill them, because they've already said all that God wanted them to say, people believe that, oh, look at that, we're more powerful, our guy's better than yours. But then God shows them, once again, that even if you beat, beat down Christians here on earth, God's people on earth and kill their earthly bodies, God will eventually restore them and bring them back up to him and they're going to be in paradise or heaven forever where you're going to be in a place of eternal torment. So all this is kind of symbolic here. and so sad. it It is. It is really a message to all the people that live on earth that if you don't repent, then you're not going to be called up into heaven like these witnesses were because you didn't honor God. You didn't do the things that God called you to And instead, the torment that's about to happen to you is going to be even worse than what happened for this 1,260 days, and that's going to be for all eternity. That kind of makes sense? So, again, all of this is very symbolic, too. The message is God's in control, because if God puts his hand upon them, they're going to be protected. God gives them life. If God doesn't put his hand upon these people or lets the the world defeat them, bad things could happen. But ultimately, If you repent and give your life to God, you'll spend eternity in heaven with him one day when you die. So again, the message is God's control and repentance is the big factor. Does that kind of make sense? Why? Do you have a question? You said that God had life into him,
1: right? So is this like the life?
0: Yeah, so these witnesses, and I said earthly bodies, because they came down like an obviously in earthly form. Because uh, um,
1: the Bible says that once you enter paradise or wherever you go, there is no re-entering earth in a Exactly, that's why yeah. it's like, right. they're pulling right. in Jesus. So is that like God breathing His own life, and God is the one controlling them? Yeah. So
0: the actual, it, no, that's a good point. Yeah, it down. is. Uh, it talks about the it is the breath of of God, when it says like. God is the one that brings it okay, back. He
1: also like we're living because God that. Uh, that's true. Like that. So yeah. that could technically mean that they do that. God does defy what he says in the Bible
0: for that for it's a it,
1: specific purpose. Oh, well, it is interesting,
0: McCauley. Like, looking like the pastors in the Bible. But nowhere it does that say that's like
1: that or a sin or something that he can't do.
0: Yeah. Like like the thing. Yeah. So like that's that's a good point. So think about this. Like in the Bible, you know, God is. Has, has told us that because of sin, you know, all people are going to, that's the punishment, is, is death. But he also made an exception for that because of Jesus. And so we put our faith in him, we can have eternal life. So although there's things that can happen to punishments and natural causes, because God is over that, he could have arrived at and do something different. Because there's also an example of other people in the Bible, too, that get called up into heaven, you know, from earth, that didn't necessarily physically die on earth. So it's an interesting yes yeah, kind of an interesting concept that this is the, the natural way, but then obviously if God intervenes, the spiritual way will overrule what's natural. That kind of makes sense for it I think you're right on that. Okay. Yeah. So that that's a good so let me just close with this we'll have some questions here. The two kind of messages for us as we go into the Christmas season. The first one is um you guys being that it's Christmas time a lot of people are going to be curious, have questions about the birth of Christ. They're going to hear about it. Um, and this is not the only time of the year they hear about the birth of Christ. Although the birth of Christ is important to talk about, the second coming of Christ is also just as important to talk about. And a lot of times we don't talk about that to our friends and our family. We talk about, oh, Jesus came to earth, and you know, all was good because um, he's the Savior, he resided with us, and all was good. But the reality is, Jesus didn't die on the cross so everybody can just go to heaven no matter what. He died on the cross so if you repent and give your life to him, you'll go to heaven. Because once he comes back again, like we talked about earlier, it's over. And so knowing that, and knowing Revelation, and knowing what's going to happen in the end, that should lot a fire into us to share the gospel with our family and our friends and those around us. Because while they're still here on earth, they still have a chance to give their lives to Jesus. So when they die, when Jesus does come back again, which you know he will, then they'll be in heaven with him and they will avoid all this torment and all this pain. Um, if we know this is coming, which we do, it should, it should ignite uh, an evangelical push from us. The next thing I want you guys to think about is, does the Lord have his hand upon you? Um, what I mean by that is that if the Lord's hands upon you, even though the world may try to beat you down, God will accomplish his will in you. You know, you might have sicknesses, you might have illnesses, you might have hard things that happen, but through it all, God's going to be right there with you and he's going to use you for a powerful purpose if, you, if his hand's upon you. And the question is not so much does God want to put his hand upon you. He does. He wants to use you. He wants to anoint you. But you can hinder that by living lives that don't honor him, by living in secret sin, doing things that you know you shouldn't do. So the question you have to ask yourself is: Is my heart right with God? Because if God is not using me the way I feel like He should be using me, or the way I want to be used, I just don't feel like God's hands really upon me. I don't feel like God's using me the way I want Him to, to use me. It's not necessarily because God doesn't want to use you. That's not true. It's because you're doing something to hinder His hand upon you. And so I want you guys to think about that. The witnesses or these two guys were totally sold out for the gospel. Are you the same way? And if not, what is that thing or that person in your life is holding you back from truly being the person God wants you to be? It's hurting that relationship between you and God. Because once you get rid of that, once you get, get past that, your relationship with God will become much stronger. And you'll see that God will use you in incredible, incredible ways. So let me pause it here, and we'll go to some questions here.